I'd like to apologize. Today is the day where I unapologetically eat dinner. I guess apologize. <laughs> oh, that's good because I'm drinking some Chardonnay right now. Are you? Um, yeah. I didn't know you tarred up for this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, funny thing about my fridge, all it has left in it is ice cream and Chardonnay. So, guess what? Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read and Weep. This is a podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 57. We have now produced as many episodes of this show as there are varieties of sauce produced by the H.J. Heinz Company. Uh, however, if you can name two or more of their products that aren't called ketchup, I'll eat my hat. Ooh, I can. Really? Shoot. Oh, yeah. Well, they produce mustard, and they also produced a honey mustard, and a pickle relish, and a barbecue sauce. All right, the first two were both mustard. Okay, you, barbecue sauce. But does mustard count as a sauce? All right, you know what? I'm going to eat my hat, but I'm uh, I'm not going to put a sauce on it. Today we are talking about the Overton Window, Glenn Beck's parody of uh, novel writing. <laughs> uh, we're, we're reading the first third or so, which, uh, about the first 13 chapters. Uh, fun fact about the number 13, it looks just like a third if I forget to write the slash in it. Okay, uh, anyway, uh, you can read along with us today by going to audiblepodcast.com slash weep. If you sign up for a free trial of their service, you get the audio, an audiobook for free of your choice. You can use, use it on this one, or you can not waste it. So, uh, I guess we should get started talking about it, but first let me introduce today's panel. First up, he got shot in a phone booth in the prologue, hopefully for something related to the book, but you can never tell. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Steven. Hey guys, uh, in my janitorial duties, I found two of nine missing nuclear weapons. <laughs> you got to clean a lot of rooms. <laughs> They're big rooms, too. <laughs> All right, I would bet. Also joining us today, he's expanding his political mind for the same reason everybody else does, because a hot chick disagreed with him. Let's welcome Chris back to the program. Hey there, I will t- talk to too many teabaggers just for a little bit of strange. <laughs> <laughs> just for a chance to teabag them? Yeah, I guess so. Also joining us today, he dresses down for work, but up to watch his mom speak in a redneck bar. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Drew back to the show. Guys, I'm wearing my tight leather jeans, uh, coupled with my autumn sweater that I wear for my lovely tea party graphics. Are there loose <laughs> leather jeans? Are there like baggy leather jeans? Um, I don't know. All I know is that it was it was specifically I I am definitely wearing tight leather jeans because uh, that was. <laughs> what are leather very... jeans? They're just leather pants. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, they're no longer jeans. Yeah. I think. No, they're just leather pants. They have to be. The first of many inaccurate statements. Uh, <laughs> of course, I am your host. I'm surprisingly vigorous for a man of 74, and I'm the one who taught you to buy bottled water. My name is Alex. Hey, okay. Hello. Before, before we actually talk about the book, we should probably summarize it so people know what we're talking about. So, Chris, you're going to have 45 seconds to summarize this book. Get ready for it. Oh, God. In the style of a highly charged, if somewhat drunken, political speech from a, <laughs> a minor internet celebrity. <laughs> So, here's the thing about this great country of ours. It started out as a representative democracy. 
But somewhere along the way, the spirit of the individual got lost. And so we're falling around the pointless wanderings of Noah Gardner, the son of the biggest PR firm founder in New York. He's really rich. Anyway, he tries to follow Molly around to get some puss. But then, you know what happens is he winds up going to a rally and it gets busted uh, by the cops because the cops hate the teabag party and uh, everything else. This book is... Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That is all. There's exactly five things that happen in this book. (laughs) Before we say anything bad about this book, we should compliment. It's called a compliment sandwich. We start and end with it so that it feels fair. Drew, as the guest, you have the option of going first or last in the compliment round. What do you prefer? Uh, You know, I think I'll go go first. Bring it on. Okay, great. My, my favorite thing about this uh, about this this wonderful book, The Overton Window, uh, is Glenn Beck's ability to to kind of take a neutral stance on uh, on his political leanings uh, in his word <laughs> choice and adjectives. Um, that's my main my main compliment. Oh yeah, can you give us an example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so when he when uh, when Noah, our our wonderful uh, lead character, enters the uh, the tea party bar for the first time. Uh, they use a lot of um, uh, adjectives. I think they, they use such such things like hillbillies and circus clowns and things mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. to describe uh, the Tea Party patriots, which I think uh, I, I get a sense that Glenn Beck uh, is not afraid to embrace uh, the liberal media uh, <laughs> and, and, and their portrayal of, uh, of what it means to be a Tea Party. No, Steve, no, so, no, Drew, I don't want to correct you at all here, but uh, it does – it did seem as though – he really liked those people. So is it is your comment that he's owning the fact that they're rodeo clowns? I don't know if he actually did like them. I think that he was actually writing pretty well through through the the the, uh, the, the thought process of Noah, uh, the lead. Mm-hmm. And I think that he actually saw that these guys were were not uh, quite all there. But he did. But see, the the issue is is that he did a lot of like double talk because like there was like calling them circus clowns, but then like the next sentence would be like patriotic circus clowns like you would like <laughs> add little stuff I mean I love rodeo clowns Oh yeah in general Oh I do too we all love rodeo clowns I mean clowns. they save cowboys lives yeah very brave they're modern heroes, if I can. I, I, I think, um, Drew, I think, I think you're right in a lot of ways. Because he, he would like, he would acknowledge their, their, their bad points, but move on really quickly. Like they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the guy who was wearing the shirt that said "Born in the Jew" essay. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's something. Yeah, else, like yeah. that. That didn't really diminish his character. He was just wearing a shirt that was anti-Semitic. No big deal. Yeah, it was. It was really about the cross section. He was like. So there's the crazy guy wearing the Born in the USA shirt, and that's the only guy here that the media is going to focus on. Out of all 40 of us in this bar today, they're only going to show the one with the racist T-shirt. Can, can yeah. I just say as a side note, yeah. I, I've, I've walked through these rallies before. That's, they are not a melting pot of America. They're not a cross-section. They <laughs> really? Are... Because Glenn Beck does say that at the right-wing gathering, and I quote, there seem to be no clear exclusions based on race or class or any of the other traditional media-fed American cultural divides. Right. Well, I, I hate to contradict a patriot, and uh, to be fair, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was no whites-only sign or anything like that. Um, right. It was I, just a coincidence that there – it was this the day that only – Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things about what you're saying, Stephen, is like 
they're for some reason he's trying to point out that they're not racist and that they they have like all these different races but anti-Semitism seems to be A-okay for him. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's sort of a race. It's sort of a culture. It's Right. Right. It's ambiguous. <laughs> um, okay, Stephen, why don't you go next? Okay. Um, well, actually, I'm going along with what uh, Drew was just talking about, it, when he was describing um, some of the characters you meet, he actually used my favorite uh, character description I've ever read in my entire life. In a book. Hmm. Oh, yeah? And uh, he described one character as a seven foot tall, shaven Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then later said of the character, he looked and sounded like he might have eaten one of the Blue Ridge Mountains. <laughs> I, I, I have to compliment anybody who, who pictures Winnie the Pooh giant and shaved. That, that takes a, you know, a special moment. <laughs> for the mountains part, I can imagine what someone who just ate the Blue Ridge Mountains would look like. Uh, very full. And with maybe mountainous bumps in his stomach, but what has sounded like he just ate some mountains? Uh, I, I was I was thinking about like the rock monster from the Neverending Story. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah, that's all I could come up. Otherwise, with. it would just be like it would just sound like regret, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, it's the same sound like after you eat like a foot long tuna sub from Subway. Yeah. like you didn't need all that tuna and mayonnaise, but. <laughs> Yeah, just sadness, some slowness, maybe a little bit of E. coli. (laughs) Exactly. That sounds like... um, All right, Chris, your turn. Yeah, um, so my compliment is on the uh, narrator, the the reader. Um, In in part two, 28 minutes and one second in, he introduces the character of Danny Bailey. And Danny Bailey represents the old guard of kind of the tea party, uh, so the firebrands, the kind of, you know, quasi-violent revolutionary. And dude sounds exactly like Johnny Bravo. So, you must be Noah, Danny Bailey said. Molly's told me almost nothing about you. Ugh, it's wonderful. And so, I I wanted to compliment him on his range, but also just on on Johnny Bravo, because that cartoon (laughs) is excellent. Dude... The, the the narrator could do Harry Potter. He's like really yeah, he's good. Solid. Oh, is that well, Jim Dale? I mean, it's not Jim Dale. Is no, it? it's not. It's not the same guy, but he could do yeah. it. Oh yeah. I mean, at no point uh, did I think, boy, I wish jo- uh, Glenn Beck was reading this. Although it may have made the tears sound more real. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually, if I may, just slightly disagree here. Uh, I I do think part of it. The enjoyment comes from hearing his voices, but I sort of think that he thinks what he's reading is bullshit, too, which is... <laughs> no, no, that I is love also it. a compliment to him. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. I, yeah, I guess it's just a different... <laughs> I guess it's just a better compliment. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, you're out. <laughs> All right, with Chris out, Alex, it's my turn yeah, to come in. It's my major compliment. So... During, uh, as far as we know, a never-explained memo about domestic terrorist threats, uh, there's a list of groups who are considered red flags by Homeland Security. And there's, like, the normal ones that you would kind of expect, like Minutemen and tax resistors and World Bank protesters and the American Nazi Party. And in that same list, they also included these three groups, disenfranchised veterans, homeschoolers, and military reenactors. <laughs> and I, okay, now obviously military reenactors and homeschoolers are because they're a threat to society because they're so socially awkward. Um, but disenfranchised veterans, I like. 
why aren't we letting the veterans vote? So I, I took really meticulous notes on this book because I hate it. Also in that list, by the way, he listed anti-Semitic rhetoric as a group. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just words. Yep. And also, words. also the term free speech umbrella, which I have no idea what the hell that refers to. <laughs> yeah, that was like, that. Any uh, why is this umbrella so angry? Why are you worried about it? <laughs> yeah. That umbrella is trying to take over your government. <laughs> it's just an amazing <laughs> list like the nazi party and war reenactors <laughs> really i mean just i mean this is just they're just live action role-playing kids right they're just older larpers yeah that's <laughs> with a little bit of whiskey in them yeah that's not terrorist that's just weird it is really weird Anyway, I, I love that list. I love that finally uh, homeschoolers are getting the shit they so richly deserve. <laughs> although, we, although we can't wind, round, round them up because we don't have the authority, we can't ask them. If there's a homeschooler out there, don't listen to us anymore because we think you're a terrorist. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, now, finally, the the floodgates may open. We're done with our complimenting for now, and we can return to our natural state, which is, of course, a game called Hate Mousetrap. So for today's hate segment, only elaborate but still flimsy plastic hates. Okay, um, my first hate is um, it's a lever that flips a ball into a cup. Oh, good, good. And it's on candy choices, all right? So Noah Gardner <laughs> spends about two chapters trying to hit on a girl named Molly at his office. And it says that he hits on her next to the candy machine. And you know what candy he takes out? Tootsie Roll. Yeah. The candy what? that looks like poop. Yeah. Nobody buys that. I don't even think they sell it. They have to give it away. <laughs> they sell it but they sell it in a little bank that is also shaped like poop <laughs> the ball landed right in the hate cup on that one it was perfectly aligned <laughs> thanks man okay uh so my my hate is a uh, turntable gear shaped thing uh that so far we can't tell what it does because it's not attached to anything okay uh why so much <laughs> hatred of pr people okay this yeah. is a book by a TV personality, so much PR has happened for this to get where it is. Who are you fooling, Glenn? I'll ask your agent. <laughs> well, and the, yeah. the list of shit that this one PR person is responsible for is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah? What's that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can read it. I, I took notes. Um, <laughs> so, Pet Rocks, uh, Christmas Toys... <laughs> Uh, boy bands, Che Guevara. What do you mean by Christmas toys? All Christmas toys? Yeah. Like anyone's... all the popular ones. Yeah, so like Tickle Me Elmo. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, che Guevara T-shirts, which he made popular on a dare. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Drugs for made-up diseases. Uh, just a reference to Big Tobacco. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the cigarettes in general was their point. <laughs> right. Uh, the lottery. Um, and then I wrote in parentheses, he's been ranting about the lottery for like five full minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the best part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he took credit for 
several every president back to JFK except Carter and Nixon. Wait, Stephen, did you say every president from JFK with the exception of, of Nixon and Carter? Yeah. yeah. It was That's uh not that's they could just say every president since Ronald Reagan, right? Like, isn't that kind of... <laughs> I, I guess so, somehow... And, and JFK and Ford. No, they, they got Johnson in there, too, somehow. Yeah. I mean, really, at that G- point, yeah. couldn't you just list the three presidents you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, because if the, if the PR company got Johnson in office, they had to do a lot of a lot of bargaining in order to get him elected. Right. Like, what is that? Like... They got lucky by missing out on Carter. Like, that, that, that was a... Uh, you know, they, they also represent all numbers between one and six, except for two, three, four, and one. <laughs> See, here's the thing. They're in PR. It sounds better if you say all except rather than yeah, just... Yeah, exactly. It was very... <laughs> and this whole thing is a work of, like, polishing the turd that is a lot of the anti-tax movement. Polishing I mean, the whole... Tootsie Roll? What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this whole thing is a PR job for uh, for a bizarre fringe political movement, right? I mean, yeah. All right, someone else. Uh, what what piece of the hate puzzle do you have for us? I want to go for obvious political statement, which is, of course, another seesaw that connects to the gear that Alex just put down. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Um, Start to see where this is going, but also yeah. it was painted on the board, so I knew that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the the old guy that we've been referring to, the seventy four year old guy, uh, Noah's dad, is Arthur Isaiah Gardner. A I G. A I G. It's funny the entire thing. Blew my fucking mind. Spoiler <laughs> alert, Chris. Uh, I'm gonna say that one of the things that I I just can't. Uh... That, that I love is, is is the Mad Libs quality of what he's writing, like what, what you said, Alex. Like, there was one point where they're describing Noah and, like, and how he would go out, hit the town, and meet women. Mm-hmm. And I think the line was, the top psychologists from Maxim Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> the exact line is, top psychologists tell us in Maxim Magazine that the all-important first impression is set in stone within about 10 seconds. Now, it, yeah. ignoring the fact that of course, the first impression is set in the first part of meeting somebody. <laughs> I love that Maxim Magazine has the resources to hire top psychologists. Where are the mid-level psychologists writing? Like, uh, like highlights for children or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fine wines and photos of Megan Fox. All right. Well, uh, Stephen, why don't you have us at hate? Um, this will be a really quick hate uh, just to wobble the ball a little further. Um, there's He says <laughs> when he, he has his shirt ruined um, by splashing and then gets a new shirt and it fits, and he says he's an off-the-rack medium-large. There, no, ah! there is no medium-large on the rack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off the rack directly between sides. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what that doesn't mean. <laughs> I know. Oh, you know, I've got one more, one more hate yeah. actually, uh, and this one is going to be the board on top of which all of this stands. Uh, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they set this in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, where I live. Um, How dare and they? Nothing. Nothing is right. <laughs> Nothing is right. Like, for instance, the the uh, the idea that the tea parties are going to throw a giant rally in the middle of Houston and and Broadway uh, in Tribeca, like, 
that is a liberal maven yeah. of Manhattan. Like, there's no reason they would do it there. Well, I, 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 have a, I have another thing about that that he did wrong about New York is that he says that uh, the traffic and all the traffic stops are there because not only is G20 happening there, but both presidential candidates for their parties are doing a full weekend of campaigning in New York City. Mm-hmm. That would never, ever happen. Let me just spoil no, the 2012 never. election for you. The Democrats going to win New York City. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason both would campaign for a full weekend. Yeah. Hey guys, um, you know what? You know what the uh, the tower crane that's going to hold the mousetrap net um, is um, for me. That that I know that this is a conservative novel. I can't wait. The hot girl is described as forthright, becoming. And does things blithely. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Is she you know what that means? <laughs> She's, uh... <laughs> her name's probably Hester, and she lives in <laughs> colonial Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he had, like, a book full of PSAT words, and he decided <laughs> to use them in a book. Speaking of PSAT words, I, are we going to touch on faction? <laughs> Can we touch oh, yeah. on faction right now? <laughs> The, the first part of this book is actually a forward read by Glenn Beck, and we're under we're to understand there's an afterward read by Glenn Beck himself, even though there's a different narrator. And in it, he describes what sort of book this is going to be. And Drew, I don't know. Do you want to go into that? Yeah. Well, he well he just goes he goes this is not this is not a normal book. This is a book that is made up, but is based on fact. <laughs> so it is a faction. It's like faction yeah, instead yeah. of fiction. Yeah, it's like uh, fiction, Drew, but with a fact in it. Uh, I'm going to make a faction right now. <laughs> um, Let's do this. I walked down the street, and then I flew. Now, <laughs> me walking down the street is a fact. <laughs> Flying is the part that I made up. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a nice little combination of two words yeah except it's already a word it's like saying <laughs> it's part jelly part ham i'm gonna call it jam like <laughs> yeah, know, right. when you say jam you mean something else yeah that's part already jelly, used ham. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm going to expect next time i buy jam <laughs> All right. All right. Today we're going to play a game called Name That Fallacy. <laughs> so how this will work is I will read you uh, an excerpt from the book and you guys will uh, both identify and then if you feel like it, name the fallacy present. And if anybody else has anything else to contribute to this, any quotes, feel free. So uh, here's my first one and it comes from that introduction where they describe faction. It's like one of the first couple sentences of the book. Quote, I know this will be controversial. Anything that causes people to think usually is. <laughs> uh, number one, Glenn Beck doesn't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to call this the Paris Hilton fallacy. Um, just because people have heard of it doesn't mean they care. <laughs> I'm going to call this the point guard fallacy. You guys can help me uh, identify it. Quote, the entire constitution can be folded and carried in your shirt pocket. But this, and then she holds up the massive book, is just one volume of the federal tax code. So, rhetoricians, logicians, uh, philosophers, debaters, please, what is the fallacy in the sentence? 
here's what I'll say. I, I promised I wasn't going to get too angry, but I fucking hate the, that argument. Because <laughs> he's constantly just like, look how big this bill is. Personally, like, shit's complicated. Like, shit's... <laughs> That's okay. I don't want, like, just some, like, you know sonnet to explain how we're going to do our federal <laughs> tax system like i want it to be detailed that's okay yeah. i don't want to sing cane about how i'm going to manage my I, I, yeah i would like an acrostic that on the side spells taxes be- <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah also yeah. there's another there's another part of this uh so that was the first part you're right that's the point guard fallacy just because it's shorter doesn't mean it's better uh but Oh yeah, I mean, I I can fold up a Chipotle uh, menu and put it. In my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't I think follow that's that for a while. That's yeah. smaller than yeah. the Constitution. We should uh, we should go with the Chipotle we menu. Switch. <laughs> <laughs> Ask them if they'll trade. Um, also, the other half is a bonus in there, which I call the TurboTax fallacy, which is uh, just because the tax code exists doesn't mean you have to read all of it to pay your taxes adequately. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to understand that some parts of the tax code apply to people who are not you, right. yeah. because there are people in the country that are not you. Yeah, and there are people in the country who are actually Walmart, Walmart Incorporated. You have to write two extra haikus to incorporate all of Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, here, here's, here's another one. Uh, quote, if they, if they call something the Patriot Act, you can bet it won't be long before they're using it to hunt down us patriots. If it's called net neutrality, it's going to be used to neutralize their enemies. Yeah, clearly he thinks net refers to a net. Well, okay, so here's something else that, that I know how I feel about at least is... Uh, this is not worth it, Noah. Even if she does end up sleeping with you, this was this is not going to be worth it. No. She's not going to get more reasonable later. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, you can't I seriously, I I mean, having having at at one point in my life dated a girl with very bad political beliefs, it's not worth it. And he already he already said that he he's already been a tremendous success with the ladies and that most weekend nights he didn't sleep alone. But now he really wants to, like, settle down and be in a relationship. Yeah, exactly. Like, of all the girls he slept with, I'm sure one of them was less crazy. Settle down with the not crazy. Yeah. So she is crazy, though. She's totally crazy. And this is – I'm going to get really impassioned by this (laughs) because I'm, like, horrified by this. But when he first meets her, he goes, hi, I'm Noah. She goes, yes, I know you're Noah. That's uh, you work on the 29th floor. Your father's this person. You live at this address. This is your phone number. And it's it, it, he goes, how do you know this? She goes, I work in the mail room. <laughs> <That's fucking> right. <laughs> That's my favorite trope ever, that like people who work in mail rooms know every fucking thing about every member of the company. It's so funny. What? Yeah, what is that? It's not even the company. It's the entire building. <laughs> Does she sit there memorizing everything? See, that would be a good time. Like, for me, red flags are like, she reads my mail. Yeah. Yeah. I've never worked in a mailroom, but I'm assuming you don't open the letters. Isn't that true? Pretty true. Oh, you know, I I would assume, yeah, you don't. Like you just you get in the mail and then you deliver it to people. I mean, like the postman does not know anything about me. Have you asked him? Well, he's not hot. <laughs> if he wore that autumn sweater, you might want to ask. <laughs> yeah, he, he wears all the wrong seasonal colors, so I can't. Cobalt. Yeah, cobalt blue, and he wears shorts to work. There's no way. 
Um, I have a quick question. Maybe this yep. is a little poll. Um, so the you know the literary term or, or film term of the MacGuffin, which is the yeah. the object uh, that that causes the plot to to come into action. It's like the object that starts the, the entire action. In this, sure, the crystal skull. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I, in this book so far, would you say that the MacGuffin is the flyer in the break room, or Molly's breasts? <laughs> it, it's got to be the boobies. It, that I mean, was a trick question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That—that's the distracting me with breasts in a quiz fallacy. <laughs> you could—I mean, that could have been any question. It could have been like, who played point guard for the 1976 Celtics? So and so or boobs? Or like, boobs. <laughs> the answer is boobs, Stephen. Boobs. That's correct, Alex. <laughs> That is unfair. Is always boobs. <laughs> always boobs. I was bad when I was on Jeopardy. Hey, Steven, I, I heard you went skydiving the other day. God, it was amazing. I always thought I was going to be afraid, but uh, I uh, I did it. Wow, that's so cool. Was it? Uh, was it? I mean, was it kind of scary? Was it nerve wracking? Yeah, well, I've always been, kind of been afraid of heights, but uh, I, I was just, I, I felt safe, you know, I felt secure. I, I had a, an audiobook that I downloaded from audio, uh, audible.com, and um, I was just listening at it the whole time, and it just kind of uh, gently guided me down when I reached a certain level. It just kind of... Because of the audiobook? Yeah, the audiobook. Uh, I'm just stymied by that. Like, I would assume you'd want to, like, I mean, you wouldn't listen to something, you wouldn't want to be distracted while you're skydiving right and you wouldn't like you wouldn't want to accidentally not pull the parachute because you're caught up in this book oh i i didn't i didn't need to worry about uh parachutes or or anything like that i i uh i think i had one i don't remember but the, the point is is that it was it, like the, this audiobook it, it just kind of relaxed me the whole time and i was more focused on on the words than than Wait, worrying you, about like you didn't go, have a go. parachute i don't i don't think so i don't remember now let me ask you this was there a cord that you pulled at some uh, point in your descent well, my headphones got a little tangled. So you you pulled on your headphones, and that slowed your descent to the earth. I, I assume so. I pulled on something that was leading to my MP3 player in the bag. So yeah, it must have been my headphones. And then I yeah, then exactly right then I started slowing down and gently glided down and landed. Totally well, fine. It was awesome. I really recommend it. I mean, yeah. I mean, if it's free, right? If you just went to audiblepodcast.com/slash/readandweep and signed up for a trial, you'd get a free audiobook. But that's not safe to jump out of an airplane with just that uh i mean do do whatever people tell you but I, i'm saying right here that uh that that's what helped me audiblepodcast.com slash read it and weep 100 pure adrenaline don't land on your balls <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, it's time for our final half of our compliment sandwich, which, uh, if you knew math, would be the second one. Uh, let's go in reverse order the way we went to the beginning, so that means it is my turn for my minor compliment. Uh, at one point, uh, his badass lawyer is getting Noah out of jail, and 
Apparently he looked really nice, and this is the way he was described. He was wearing his it was look he looked like he was a, pulled from a page from the awesome lawyer edition of GQ. <laughs> <laughs> Which won't sell as well as the 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 like sexy ladies edition or even the fall fashion edition, but I would pick up a copy of the awesome lawyers edition of of GQ. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like harried, kind of like bedraggled-looking people. Has, he, has Glenn Beck never seen a newsstand? I mean, if there's one theme to the show, it's that Glenn Beck has never left his office. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue to go backwards. Chris, that's your turn. Yeah, you got it. Uh, so mine is my favorite uh, thing about Glenn Beck is his conflation of the bind, the body mind problem. Uh, <laughs> our first, our, our first character we meet, the journalist in the desert who gets shot. It says, "A 357 semi-jacketed hollow point was the last thing to go through his mind. <laughs> <laughs> to go through his mind, not oh shit, I hope I don't poop when I die. Yeah, it's, it's a, a jacketed. Bullet. I that's a that's a Princess Diana joke." Yeah? Have you guys heard? I mean, that's the, I've I've heard that joke for sure. Yeah, what's well, yeah, I've heard joke? the it's a joke with a I've heard it with a fly is what I've heard it with. That joke was also in the Shawshank Redemption too, I think. Was it? Yeah, like when the warden killed himself. Spoiler alert. He was like, Red was like, <laughs> last thing. You can't give go. a spoiler alert for Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> you also can't do a spoiler alert after you spoil it. <laughs> he gets out. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> There's a redemption. Yeah, spoiler, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Guys, I was watching Gone with the Wind. Spoiler alert. It's in color. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Steven, your turn. Please continue with your compliment. Um, I really thought um, – you you all know I'm, I'm really into technology. Um, I thought the yep. – the, the, Our listeners would be shocked to hear that. Yeah, I <laughs> the thin-voiced ranger likes technology. I, I, I'm really into science. Um, so, uh, during Arthur's uh, whole boardroom meeting rant, uh, there was a really awesome projector. Uh, uh, we didn't yeah. really know much about it, but it was like this cool projector room where all the walls were just had projected images on it. But what it, it was. It was cool, but it was also funny because it was completely useless because they it even said in the book, quote, none displayed long enough to absorb. It was just like <laughs> graphs and charts and pictures and quotes that was going too fast for anybody to see just to overwhelm. But I would I was just thinking about like the intern who had to program that PowerPoint. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Just now, like it's important to know, in turn, that no one's gonna read any of this. We're just showing them what a volume of charts would look like. <laughs> yeah. right, we're exactly. a PR firm. We just want to be impressive. We don't yeah. actually want to have substance. It's important right. these people know that a lot of charts could be created <laughs> about things. <laughs> just as your name here, profits. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Drew, you get the luxury of the final compliment of the show. What have you got for us? All right, well, um, I'm going to say that uh, my, one of my favorite things about this book um, is the first line of the entire book. Uh, and it's not even in the in the book. It's in the dedication. Um, it maybe maybe this doesn't really translate if you read it. But on the Audible book, it begins with dedications, faith. <laughs> <laughs>
This is Admiral Campos. I'm tired of the Commodore stealing my stick. I had that stick when the Commodore was babe in wee pants. When he was weeing in babe pants. When babe was in his wee pants. I don't like it and I want him to stop. Or he should credit me every time he tells a joke that was mine. That's all. That's all I have to say. Commodore Campos. That sounds terrible. All right, that's it for our show. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. It's been episode 57. We will see you again next week when we read the second third of the Overton window, and uh, we don't stress ourselves reading it any more than he did writing it. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being here, as always, new Ezra and Chris. Yeah, of course. Thanks and, for a, and a very big thank you for Drew for making it all the way out for this one. Uh, Drew, you're famous on the internet. Um, would you like to pimp something like uh, your starring role in a web series or anything like it? Uh, well, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, if you want to go to uh, uh, drewjohnston.com, you can find a lot of fun media stuff and web series and uh, me doing awful impressions uh, of celebrities that sole purpose is to get uh, shit on by YouTube users. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then uh, yeah, and please check it out. It's a it's a fun place. Or just go to UCB Comedy, and you can find a lot of fun stuff there. Excellent. I'm a big fan of your work. Anyway, all right, that's it. Thanks for being. Uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody.